Hey everyone, this is Allison coming to you solo, and you are listening to Murder Porn. Chicka pew 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 pew. That feels so weird without Courtney. I'm gonna say it every time. Anyways, I'm coming to you today with a little mini sode. I'm gonna teach you guys all you need to know about the VICAP system. Before I get started, please take a moment to subscribe or follow on Podbean or Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to us on. Go ahead and hit that like button and share it with your friends, maybe like-minded individuals. There's surprisingly a lot of weirdos out there that like this kind of stuff, so share it. Help a girl out. <laughs> um, all right, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in to the story or it's not really a story it's more like information all right so vicap um which stands for the violent criminal apprehension program that's what today's story is on or today's episode all right so the national center for the analysis of violent crime ACAVC, there's a lot of acronyms, anything government, acronyms galore. So NCAVC, National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crimes. It's a special FBI department. The NCAVC's role is to coordinate investigative and operational support functions, criminological research, and training in order to provide assistance to federal, state, local, and foreign law enforcement agencies investigating unusual or repetitive violent crimes, otherwise known as serial crimes. Um, the NCAVC also provides investigative support through expertise and consultation in nonviolent matters such as national security, corruption, and white-collar crime investigations. President Reagan gave it the primary mission of identifying and tracking repeat killers, a term he used for serial killers back before serial killers, I guess, was a, a real term. Um, in November 1982, following a meeting between members of uh, the Criminal Personality Research Project Advisory Board and other specialists, the concept of a single NCAVC was put forward. So a single program to kind of manage a big umbrella over the country. The elite investigative branch, it was never env envisaged. I think that's how you say that, envisaged. And yes, um, maybe, I don't know. Don't at me. Um, as a replacement for traditional crime investigation by local law enforcement agencies. So the proposal, it was unanimous. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> the proposal was unanimously adopted seven months later by a conference held at Sam Houston State's University. Center for Criminal Justice in Huntsville, Texas. The delegates agreed that the NCAVC should be founded at the FBI Academy in Quantico and run by the agents of the Behavioral Science Unit. President Ronald Reagan formally announced the establishment of the NCAVC on June 21, 1984. The NCAVC was conceived in 1981 by FBI agent and offender profiler Robert K. Ressler during a conversation with then Quantico director Jim McKenzie. The late, great Robert Ressler, a Chicago native, 
played a significant role in the psychological profiling of violent offenders in the 70s and is often credited with coining the term serial killer, though the term is a direct translation of the German term Syrian murder coined in 1930 by Berlin investigator Ernst Gennat. So that's not even a real American term. Like, we like to take credit for a lot of stuff, but um, it's, it's not our word. It's just translated from a German, essentially. So after retiring from the FBI, um, Ressler authored a number of books on serial murders. I have yet to read those. I've been more into John Douglas, but I guess this guy is the, like, the OG John Don D Douglas, so I kind of want to um, read some of his books now. Um, but he often also gave lectures on criminology. He passed away, I believe, in 2013. Um, he, he joined the FBI in 1970. He was recruited in the Behavioral Science, Science Unit that deals with drawing up psychological profilers of violent offenders, such as rapists and serial killers, who typically select victims at random. So between 1976 and 79, Ressler helped to organize the interviews of 36 incarcerated serial killers in order to find parallels between such criminals' backgrounds and motives. Think Bill Tench in Mindhunter. He worked on many cases of serial homicide as Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy. So in Mindhunter, I mean, it's based off of the book Mindhunter by John Douglas, but, um, which is all fact. Like, these are things that he experienced in his life. It's really autobiographical about a period in his life. I think of, um, the younger agent, um, what the hell's his name? I can't think of his name, um, the younger agent in Mindhunter as um, Douglas, and then the older one as as um, wrestler, Tench. So maybe that's just me, but it seems like that's what it was intended to be. Um, so Jim McKenzie, the director of that unit of the FBI, ran with that idea and eventually had it realized through the process I just discussed before, Ronald Reagan and um, Sam Houston State University, et cetera, et cetera. Um, let's see. Oh, I forgot to tell you, um, Ressler worked on, um, the Jeffrey Dahmer case and the Ted Bundy case. So that's super interesting. That gives him major street cred, in my opinion, even though they had no idea that Jeffrey Dahmer was a serial killer until they legit, like, went to his apartment, caught him red-handed, and found all these body parts and shit. Um, but... Yeah. Anyways, I think Ted Bundy was more of a a case to work on because they did have to actually profile him across different states and connect different murders and missing people to him. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, Pierce Brooks, another person, another man in the boys club, was appointed as the first director of the NCAVC. Primarily because as a homicide detective in Los Angeles, he had been the first to propose the idea of the NCAVC. So I guess Pierce Brooks thought of the NCAVC and then um, Ressler thought of VICAP. I guess that's kind of confusing, but that's what this is. 
Um, Brooks was inspired by the Harvey Glattman case he had worked on in which he realized serial homicides could be linked by their signature aspects. So Brooks would later obtain a $35,000 government grant to realize his idea. And in 1982, he met with Robert Ressler to discuss the idea and was convinced by Ressler that Vicap should be located at Quantico, as opposed to Lakewood, where Brooks originally planned to have. Okay, so rewind. I'm sorry, I was, I was wrong. Um... Wrestler, wrestler is the one who recommended the ACE or said that the NCAVC should be like one thing overseeing the whole for the whole country. And then Pierce Brooks is the one who is credited for VICAP. So I apologize. I was, I was wrong. Um, so they got the $35,000 government grant in 1982. They, Robert Wrestler and Pierce Brooks met. They decided that Vicap should be located at Quantico um, instead of where Brooks lived in Lakewood. Um, and that's where, like, it was originally planned to be housed, but they moved it across the country. Um, the NCAVC uses the latest advances in computer and investigative strategies to combat serial and violent crime. These... Um, Computer and investigative strategies are known as VICAP, or the Violent Criminal Apprehension Program, and Profiler, which is a robot, rule-based expert system programmed to profile serial killers. So here's another fun acronym for you. CIAP, or the Criminal Investigative Analysis Program, is another program designed to investigate serial crime. So they have that one as well. In 2002... The FBI's Critical Incident Response Group, a.k.a. CIRG, there's another fun acronym, good God, <laughs> began developing a state-of-the-art web-enabled software for, for VICAP. The software was intended to enable non-FBI, federal, state, and local VICAP users to directly enter data into the national database located on a server in the FBI-controlled space. So as before, what they had to do was send the information to the FBI, the FBI would then enter it, and as you might, you know, conclude, the FBI likely became very backlogged as it would have been easier to just distribute that work to the people actually investigating the case. Now, one thing that I have read is that, unfortunately, homicide detectives, usually they're not fun paperwork people. They don't really like doing paperwork. So, unfortunately, the VICAP system gets minimal information in it, which makes it very difficult to use it as it was intended. So... You homicide detectives, get better at entering your information. <laughs> like, I would think out of all the paperwork, and I don't really know what the paperwork they, they have, but on an unsaved, solved case, potential serial case, or a, a Jane or John Doe, like, I would think that would be the most important resource to make sure that your information is accurately and fully filled out. So that's just my un unsolicited two cents um so users should be able to access the system via commercially available service providers and law enforcement online leo another acronym <laughs> additionally users would be able to retrieve and analyze cases query against the national database and run reports 
So how amazing, how amazing. So in the summer of 2008, the VICAP program actually made its database available to all law enforcement agencies through the secure internet link. And this allows for real-time access to the database and allows agencies to enter and update cases directly into the database. Like, I can't even, first of all, imagine that this was not a tool that was available until 2008. It took them six years to develop that software. How bananas is that? I mean, that just speaks to how big of a database it is and, like, how intricate the logarithms must be. So, um... How cool. Anyways, like, I just think that's such an invaluable resource and something that, like, you would have thought was a thing from way back, like, in the beginning of times, but no. No. I mean, as we all know, as crime-obsessed people, that, um, you know, cops don't talk across even county lines, let alone state lines, or internationally, or nationally. So, that's, you know crackers but now they have the opportunity to at least kind of communicate electronically via that database. VICAP specifically works by facilitating communication and coordination between law enforcement agencies that investigate, track, and apprehend violent serial offenders. VICAP maintains a nationwide data information center that collects, collates, and analyzes crimes of violence such as homicide, attempted homicide, missing persons, child abductions, sexual assaults, and unidentified deceased persons. VICAP analysis, er, blah, 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 excuse me, <laughs> that word always, I trip over it all the time. VICAP analysts examine crime data and pattern to identify potential similarities among crimes create investigative matrices, develop timelines, and identify homicide and sexual assault trends and patterns, identifying and linking the signature aspects in violent serial crimes. The signature of a crime is the intrinsic part of the crime, which the criminal must include in order for him or her to be satisfied, or as Ted Bundy would say, what the killer must do to quote-unquote get his rocks off. And thus, is present, it's, it's present in every crime committed by the same person, although the signature does tend to evolve over time. And this isn't t- typically included in, like, their modus operandi or yet another acronym for you, M-O. Or mode of operation, if you want to translate from the Latin to the English, I guess. There you go. Four years of Latin. That's what you get. <laughs> Um, so agencies granted access to VICAP are required to establish and maintain a system of access controls through administrative, physical, and technological safeguards. In addition, the FBI requires that access be limited to authorized personnel and authorized visitors. Physical security protections include guards, locked facilities requiring badges, and passwords for access. So you have to go through all of these steps in order to get into a computer that has access to VICAP so that you can, um, you know, utilize the database. So records may only be accessed by authorized government personnel and must be protected by appropriate physical and technological safeguards to prevent unauthorized access. Super important. Any contracts with outside entities specify that contractors are subject to the requirements of the Privacy Act. I mean, a lot of this is like very private, personal pictures of people at like even when they're deceased medical information you know all that jazz so it 
you know, privacy is key, which is why there's so many safeguards to access the system. Um, additionally, CRG must ensure that contractors execute an NDA. So that's a non-disclosure agreement. So anything that they see or access via the VICAP site, they cannot discuss that outside of, um, anyway, like outside of themselves, I guess. I'm not sure, maybe other agents probably, but yeah. So VICAP has been a tool in solving many cases, including cases that are decades old and cases in widely separated states, just like Ted Bundy. And, and um, as far as decades old cases, I don't think that connections would have been drawn between um, mur murders and the Golden State Killer case if it weren't for VICAP and also Michelle McNamara, who was an amazing investigative journalist. And if you haven't read her book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, do it. Do it. Go get it. It's so good. So good. Um, VICAP operates under the knowledge that serial homicides are almost always sexually and control-driven with a consistent, evolving signature present in each murder. VICAP's been instrumental in the resolution of many high-profile highway-related serial killings, including the I-5 killer and the Beltway Sniper. That's one thing that, like always scares me so i live right next to the i-80 90 toll road which is um in indiana and that toll road goes east west across the whole state or across i think across the whole country it continues but um it's a it's like a very big gateway for like trafficking and um long haul truckers and you know just total freaking access and ease of access to tons of different people across several different states and counties that would never typically be connected were it not for VICAP. So thank you, VICAP. And God, I hope that they put the Delphi murder um, girls on there in that. Because I don't think that's that guy's first time, but that's for another day, I guess. Um, but God, what, not, what would I give for access to see some of this stuff you know um vicap personnel utilize this extensive database to help develop psychological profiles of perpetrators which can assist investigators in detecting and capturing perpetrators before they can continue their con criminal activities um i'm rewatching mine or i'm rewatching criminal minds right now for like the 1000th time and um, that I just keep thinking about that when I think of VICAP, um, and all of these profilers, um, and I don't know if you guys know this, but a lot of the episodes for Criminal Minds are based on things that actually happened, actual cases that they just basically rewrote for TV and included the cast, the, the BAU cast, so it's really, if you guys haven't watched Criminal Minds, like, I don't know where you've been, are you under a rock, like, what? Anyways, love it. Hopefully they are bringing it back for another season, which I'm so excited. Anyways, let me get my nerd, my geek out voice off. <laughs> VICAP personnel utilize this extensive database to help. Oops, I already told you that. Where was I? Oh, no. Uh... VICAP personnel utilize the extensive database to help develop psychological profiles of perpetrators, which can assist investigators in detecting and capturing perpetrators before they continue their criminal activities. Using behavioral analysis of hundreds of seminal, 
of similar psychological pathologies, VICAP experts can facilitate investigative techniques like media releases, interview protocols, multi-agency coordination, prosecution and trial strategies, and critical incident analysis. They utilize all of this knowledge to develop a criminal profile. And I just wanted to, like, give you guys a tidbit of knowledge, kind of going back to, like, the... um, the international highway system. I just, I don't know if you guys know this, but I read somewhere that it was actually, um, developed and installed, like, in the 60s, intended as, like, uh, an international escape route in the event of, like, a bomb threat or a nuclear threat. Um, not that I don't think that would help, like, if a nuclear bomb hits somewhere in the United States, we're probably all, like, toast, but, um, like, that highway system is what kind of, like, granted easy access and made it so easy for all of those, like, interstate, like, long-haul murders. And I think that, honestly, like, that's what spurred, like, the serial killer, um, like, season or this, you know, um, era. The serial killer era. Um that's when they became super prevalent. That's when it became really easy for them to cross lines. That's when it became clear to the FBI that they needed to develop some sort of system or, like, um, software to, to communicate across, like, borders, essentially. Um, so I just wanted to tell you guys that... So back to profiling. Profiling is the process of developing descriptions of the traits and characteristics of unknown offenders in specific criminal cases. It's often used in situations for which authorities have no likely suspect. There are two basic varieties of profiling. Inductive, which involves the development of a profile based on known psychological typology and deductive profiling, which reasons exclusively from the details of the victim and the crime scene to develop a unique profile. So it's like a um, victimology versus criminology, if that makes any sense to you guys. Um, Profiling as a law enforcement tool emerged in the late 60s, and today the leading entity engaged in profiling is, as we know, the National Center for the Analysis of Violent Crime, a.k.a. the NCAVC, of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, a.k.a. the FBI. I feel like every other word I'm saying, a.k.a. this acronym. (laughs) Um, Criminal profiling originated from the work um, of FBI specialist, of FBI special agents Howard Teton and Paul Mullaney in the late 60s. It's especially used in cases involving serial killers who usually are not personally acquainted with their victims. Most murders involve people who know one another, if you didn't know that. And in most murder investigations, likely suspects can be readily identified. For example, if a married woman is murdered, her husband often quickly becomes the focus of police investigation. The husband always did it, people. The husband always did it. Or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the wife. You know, always the lover. The scorned lover. (laughs) If, however, there's nothing to suggest that a victim has been murdered by someone he or she knows or the victim's identity is unknown, profiling may be necessary in order to develop a set of leads for investigators and so VICAP and the NCAVC then come in you know as that source 
for a database of other killings, other crimes that may be similar to help profile and solve that. So ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of um, today's episode. <laughs> um, current events. Oh gosh, it's been so long since I've talked to you guys. Um, and Courtney and I are planning to get together and record soon, but... Um, you know, just to let you know, both of us have dealt with like sickness and COVID and I've talked a lot about my health recently and, um, you know, I've stepped away from work for a little bit as a result of that health and that health is also the reason why it's become so difficult for me lately to get up the energy really to focus on properly researching these episodes and, um, you know, just doing right by the podcast. Um, there was also a moment with my job where I thought maybe I was going to have to quit recording because of the name of the podcast, which, as you all know, if you listened from the beginning, is totally freaking innocent. But um, anyways, that's all for that. <laughs> um, so I have a sour taste in my mouth and I, I did step away for health reasons, but still. Um, so just so you guys know the sources for my episode today, oops, hold on, um, I'd used the FBI.gov, um, site, I used Wiki, um, a lot, a lot, a lot, I used FBIagent.edu, I used FAQs.org, and then another Wiki, so a lot of Wiki for the NCAIC, or NCAVC, sorry, um, and then also, like, for information on the people who were involved in creating, um, creating the programs. So, there you go. Books, movies, shows, podcasts. Okay, I got so many. First of all, I already told you, <sighs> read stuff by Robert Ressler. Two, read, um, um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark. So good. Love Michelle McNamara. If you don't want to read it, there's also a um, HBO Max um, docu-series, like limited series that her husband, um, I think his name's Robert Patton Oswalt, Patton, Robert Patton Oswalt, that's it. Um, he like helped finish everything for her. She did pass away, um, unfortunately, before the book was completed, so she did not see all of her hard work come to fruition, which is so sad, but um, he did make sure that her, you know, basically life's work that she put her heart and soul and blood and sweat and tears into did come to fruition um, for her after her passing. Movies, um, I don't know, I haven't really, I don't, I don't know that I've really watched any movies, I've been super into, like, watching, um, like, 90s movies that I used to watch when I was younger, so, like, for example, I watched, um, uh, da -da -da, Clueless, Love, 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 and then also, um, I watched, um, have you guys ever seen Simply Irresistible? It's got Sarah Michelle Gellar in it. And I talked to somebody else about it and they looked at me like I was, like they were clueless. But she's basically like a cook that doesn't know how to cook. 
um, and they run, a, she runs a restaurant, and then she, like, meets this angel and gets these magic powers and all of a sudden is, like, the best chef in New York or something like that. But it's also, like, entangled with a love story, and it's super rom-com, like, if you're into that, if you need a feel-good, if you need a break from true crime like I did for a minute, recommend. <laughs> Another movie that I'm thinking about watching lately that I just came across randomly on TikTok and didn't realize Dakota Johnson was in it was um uh da, 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 da. crazy in alabama i'm gonna watch that it's on it's on i found it on prime but it costs money so i've got to find it somewhere where it's free uh let's see here shows if you guys haven't watched blackbird drop everything now and go watch it it's on um hbo max it's got um the kid the kid who used to play um who played elton john in in rocket man and it's got and he was also in um the kingsman i think anyways super huge girl crush on him big 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 well i guess it's not a girl crush just a crush crush um it's also got ray Liotta. it's one of his last things that he did before he passed away um so good you guys please go watch that um podcasts so I listen to Crime Junkie religiously and they have another podcast called The Deck that I really love. I really love its message. I really love its format. I love to listen to Ashley Flowers voice. Like she's such an inspiration to me and such a fucking powerhouse female. Like go her, honestly. Like she's a badass. Um let's see. I think there's others. Let me pull it open. Let me see if I can do that without stopping my recording. Um, let's see. Crimes and Consequences is two attorneys in Michigan. That's really good. And also, um, Wondery has a podcast called Generation Y, W-H-Y. Fucking listen to it. So fucking good. They always kill it, man. I love Wondery. They actually, um, they actually, um, like, bought out the rights, I guess, to Morbid as well, which is another one of my favorite podcasts. It's with two girls, and, you know, you'll, you'll see similarities in mine and Courtney's and theirs, because we both kind of listen to it and have super similar personalities, um, just different backgrounds, I guess, that, that make it interesting. All right, enough for that. Social media plugs. I gotta do it, gotta do it. We're on Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Audible. We're on Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. Please, please, please find us, rate us, give us those five stars, like us, share us. <laughs> we, um, we have an email if you want to communicate with us, recommend a case, ask any questions, anything like that. It's murder porn podcast at gmail.com super easy to remember um we are not on twitter we are not on facebook we do have an instagram it's murd m-u-r-d p like paul podcast that's our handle that's it courtney has um a courtney has um uh uh fuck me dude i'm sorry i can't speak today i'm just tripping over words Courtney has her own um, public um, IG, which is Courtney, C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y, underscore and, A-N-N, 0.1. I have mine, which is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N, underscore Wonderland, W, 
0ND3RLAND. So I just basically switched out some vowels with some similar looking numbers in there. Um, we also, you guys, we just put up a link tree. It's in our IG bio and it's on our website uh, um, on Podbean. Um, and we have um, a link on there to, to Teespring, I think is what it's called. And that's where our merch is. So we've been designing merch and kind of slowly putting it on there as we come up with it. There's some stuff on there that I'm super proud of, you guys. It's super cute. There's like one where you can get it where it says bye at the back, <laughs> the back of the shirt, like we always say at the ends of our episodes. And then there's just another one that's like Courtney's quote that she says at the end of the episode. She's so cute with her quote. Um... Too bad I didn't come up with that. <laughs> so, um, there's, I think she's also setting up so, like, you guys can give us tips via Patreon, um, so that we can buy better equipment for our website, or for our recording. Like, we really need better microphones. Ours are borrowed currently. We like to not have borrowed, um, stuff. Um, Courtney also has a pretty popular TikTok where she talks a lot about like missing children and that is Courtney C-O-U-R-T-N-E-Y underscore Ann A-N-N 1.0. Courtney's going to come to you next probably solo with um, a project I'm I don't know what she's going to do. I think Summerwell she's mentioned that a few times a lot of people have requested that of her on her TikTok um, she's kind of hesitant about doing that case, but I think that might be what she covers. Um, I, oh, our website's murderpornpodcast.podbean.com. It's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. Podbean is like the platform that we use to host our, um, our podcast. Um, I think that covers everything, guys. Um, so you know, get at us, let us know, follow us, follow us, um, communicate, we love you guys, so we love to hear from you, um, and then, you know, as Courtney always says, be good, be safe, make good choices, don't murder anyone, that's simple, right? (laughs) Okay, guys, till next time, bye!